0: If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, when I get to heaven, I'm finally going to meet who wrote Hebrews, all right? I don't know. And with all due respect, you don't either, all right? I've heard people say, well, I know who wrote it. No, you don't. You know who you think wrote it, but I know this, God inspired it, amen? And it's a beautiful book. And the first four verses, I believe, have a message for us on Christmas Day. God is a communicator. Now, I don't know about you. uh, I've been preaching for a long time. But uh, I still don't get some communication that I really need to get as quickly as I should get it. You know, sometimes I don't really understand when my wife is trying to tell me something. Can I get a witness from any man in this room? All right. Yeah. And so, you know, it was a day or two ago. All our kids are coming in later this week. Uh, My birthday is uh, Saturday, and so they're coming in for that. They're coming in for Christmas and whatnot. And uh, Donna just looked at me. I think it was yesterday. Yes, it was yesterday. And she said, I am going to go upstairs and clean. That's all she said. But she looked at me (laughs) as if, you really need to help me. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I think I'll go up and go and vacuum. She said, that would be great. And so we stripped the beds and we put on new sheets and we did all this. We've got a bunk room. Uh, we call it that. It's uh, got some trundle beds in there. Eight of our kiddos stay in there. And so we were changing sheets on that. And see, the thing about it is my mother had a janitorial service. I know how to clean, all right? I know I'm good. I'm good at it. I just don't like to do it. But anyway, I I mowed yards when I was young too. I don't like to do that either. But anyway, um, uh, so I clean. But it's just amazing how people communicate, and it's really something how the Lord communicates to us. He's talking to us all the time. I hear people say, "Well, I just don't hear the Lord." All you got to do is open up the Bible, and you'll hear the Lord if you'll pray more, you'll start to hear him talk to you through the indwelling Holy Spirit. God is a communicator. He's a talker. He gives us his word. And there is nothing more precious than the word of God. And do you know who the living word is? Jesus. Listen to these verses. And the title of the message is Jesus, God's. Final word. God, Hebrews 1 1, after He spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days He has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. Jesus is the agent through whom God created the world. And he, Jesus, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels. And he has inherited a more excellent name than they. God has spoken to us in these last days in his son. When Jesus came, that was God's word saying, I love you. I want you to be mine. I want to forgive your sins. I want to give you not only everlasting life, but abundant life on this earth. I love you. Father, let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Speak to us, Lord, your servants are listening. Pray that with me. Speak to us, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, say amen. 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 Jesus, God's final word. First of all, he's God's final word because he is God's superior word. He is God's superior word. There's no word from God greater than Jesus. Verses 1 and 2 talk about Jesus, God's superior word. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, that's the Old Testament scriptures, in many portions and in many ways in these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. God has spoken to mankind in several ways. How do we know God is there? He's talking to us all the time. How do we know he's there? How is he speaking? First of all, he speaks through creation. Creation demands a creator. The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens are telling of the glory of God. Their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. I think about that great hymn, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the roaring, rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. We know there's a God because of creation. We know that every star in the sky, every cell in your body should tell you that you are not an accident. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully created by God. God has spoken through creation. He's also spoken through Scripture. People ask me sometimes, do you have a quiet time on Sunday morning? Do you have time to have a quiet time? Look at me. You make time to have a quiet time, all right? And so, yes, I got up this morning. I read the Bible, not what I was preaching on. I just read the Bible. I'm just about to finish the Bible. I started it back around March, and I try to read the Bible every nine months. And so I'm finishing it up before the end of the year. God speaks to me through Scripture. I know that He does speak to you as well. And what a great thing that is. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, from childhood... Timothy, you have known the sacred writings which are able to make, to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, all of it is inspired, that is God-breathed. It's inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be equipped, adequate, equipped for every good work. God gave us His Word in His Bible. It is inspired. It is God-breathed. It is inerrant. It has no error in it. It is infallible. It will not lead you astray. So God has spoken to us through creation and through Scripture, but that is not God's ultimate Word. God's ultimate Word is His Son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, 2 again, in these last days, God has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. That's what Christmas is about. God speaking to us, giving us the Lord Jesus Christ. I love what Paul, how he gave a just a praise to God. He said in Romans eleven thirty 36, for from him and through him, talking about Jesus, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. And all God's people said, amen. The Old Testament pointed prophetically toward Jesus. The gospels tell us about Jesus. The epistles tell us about his doctrine. And Revelation tells us that he's coming again. The whole Bible is about Jesus, and Jesus is God's ultimate word to mankind. God was speaking when he gave this little baby in a manger in Bethlehem. God's son, Jesus, in the flesh, the final word from God. And he is the superior word to man. The second reason Jesus is God's final word is because he is God's sinless word. Not just his superior word, but his sinless word. Jesus had no sin. He is the only person ever to live to have no sin. Verse 3 in Hebrews chapter 1. And He, Jesus, is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His, that is the Father's nature. If anybody ever looked like His Father, it's Jesus. I've got a son And when people see pictures of him and they see pictures of me at that age, they say, well, you guys look a lot alike. Well, that's because he's my son. And you know what? Jesus is not only the son of God, he is God the son because God the father is his father. Jesus is the sinless word of God. Our father is absolutely sinless. God has no sin. Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 12 and 13 said, are you talking to God not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot even look on wickedness and favor. And the same words are spoken about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In Hebrews 4, 15, for we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but rather one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet, say this last three, three words with me off the screen, yet without sin. Oh, he was tempted. He knows what you're going through when you're tempted. But Jesus never yielded to one temptation. He is the sinless Son of God of God. He was tempted in the wilderness, but all he did was quote scripture back to the devil. He never gave in. He was born of a virgin, free from a sinful nature, and he never sinned. Muhammad sinned. Jesus did not. The popes have all sinned. Jesus did not. Every preacher, every Christian leader has sinned, but Jesus has never sinned. You have sinned, but Jesus has never sinned. Not one time. He said no to sin and yes to the will of God. And Jesus is God's final word to mankind. Why pastor? Because Jesus is God's sinless word to man. Jesus is God's superior word to man. Jesus is God's sinless word to man. But finally, and I praise God, this is what Christmas is about now. Jesus is God's saving word. Look at the middle of verse 3 in Hebrews 1, and we'll read into verse 4. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins. What's that? That's the cross. When he had died on the cross for our sins. And then he had been raised from the dead. He went back to heaven and the Bible says, and he sat down. You know what? He sat down because his job was complete. Amen. When I was working for my mother, you did not sit down until the whole thing had been cleaned. Amen. If you sat down, she would threaten, at least for me, since I was her son, to light up my seat. All right. Y'all don't remember those days. The Bible says, when he had made purification, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. In order to save you, Jesus had to die. He had to go to the cross. Jesus was not born to start a movement. Jesus was born to die an atoning death be buried and raised from the grave." That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's why Jesus came. That's why we have Christmas. Jesus is God's saving word. And like all people, you and I, we're sinners. We have broken the laws of God. You want to see somebody break the law? Just drive in Memphis. That's all you have to do. They're out there. you better stay to the right and be watching. Amen? Because they're flying around Memphis. And guess what? All of us have sinned. We've broken God's laws, not just man's laws. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. The Bible says in Romans three twenty-three, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You may do the best you can, but the best you can falls short of what God requires, falls short of the glory of God. Jesus is the glory of God. So we're all sinners, but we've got something else. There's a penalty for our sin. You know what it is? Spiritual death, separation from God. That's all death is, separation from God. The Bible says In Ezekiel 18, verse 20, the person or the soul who sins will die. Romans 6, 23 says, the wages, the just penalty for sin is death. So here we are. We're sinners. We've broken God's laws. The penalty for our sin is spiritual death, separation from God in life. And if we die that way in eternity, so who's going to help us? Jesus. That's why he came. Jesus died on the cross to pay your sin debt. First Peter three eighteen. for Christ also died for sins once for all. That is, he died once for all time and for all people, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, flesh but made alive in the spirit. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind and so was I. He paid your sin debt. Paid in full, he said. to die, it is finished. Paid in full. Don't you like to see that? Paid in full. Yes. Jesus paid your sin debt. You say, well, what do I have to do to be forgiven of my sin? Three things. If you've been to Bellevue, you've heard these before, but it shouldn't ever bother you to hear them again. If you want to be forgiven for your sin, you've got to repent. You've got to ask God to forgive you. You've got to tell him you're sorry. And you've got to do an about face. You can't keep doing the same old thing of sin you've been doing and say that you've repented. Now look, every once in a while you're going to mess up. And when you do, fess up. All right? I mean, when you mess up, fess up. That's what I say. But you need at a point in time to say, God, I don't want to keep living for myself. I do a U-turn. I do a 180. A lady got saved in our church in Alabama. She said, Brother Steve, Brother Steve, I did a 360 for Jesus. I said, I've seen too many people do that. Do a 180. Just a 180. If you don't get that, just go look up what I just said. It's all right. You got to do a U-turn. Again, it doesn't mean you promise you'll never sin again. You can't. But you say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. I want to walk with you. I don't want to walk for myself. I don't want to run my own life. I've made a mess of my life. Lord, and I want to say this to you. If you, hadn't, if you're, you don't know Jesus and you, had, you hadn't made a mess of your life yet, you're about to, all right? You're on your way. I don't care how smart you think you are. And you know what? You might have made a mess of your life and you don't even know it. I can tell you this, all have sinned, and when you sin, but you've got to repent. You have to repent if you're going to be a Christian. The Bible says, Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Peter said in Acts 3, 19, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ appointed for you. You've got to repent. Number two, you've got to believe. Not just whatever you want to believe. You've got to believe in Christ. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. I love it when Paul and Silas had been thrown into jail. It was midnight. Now this to me kind of sounds like a country music song. I don't know why. But you know, anytime at midnight somebody's singing, that sounds like a country music song, all right? And so they're at midnight, they're in jail. That sounds like a country music song. And so they're in jail and they're singing, their backs are bleeding, they've been beaten because they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're worshiping God with their feet and their hands and their neck in the stock. I won't say that. It's easy to worship in this nice seat, isn't it? With the comfortable Temperature in here and all that, but I want to tell you something. When you get beaten and you get your head and your hands and your feet locked in wood with splinters and it's midnight and you're bleeding and you don't know if you're going to live to see another day and then you start praising God. Now that's praise right there. That's praise right there. That's the real thing. The Bible says God was listening and he sent an earthquake. All the jailed doors opened up, their stocks came off, their fetters came off. And the jailer was about to kill himself because if any of those guys got away, he would be crucified. And he was about to kill himself. And Paul says, don't hurt yourself. We're still here. That's probably the sweetest thing that guy ever heard up to that point. And the Bible says he brought them out and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved. Whatever it is, he's saying, I want what y'all have. And they said, believe. You want to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. If they believe, they'll be saved. If you believe, you'll be saved. you got to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And you got to believe that God raised him from the dead. And if you don't believe that, you don't know the Lord Jesus. You don't know God. You've got to believe that with all your heart. You've got to repent, turn from your sins, and you've got to believe in a bloody cross and an empty tomb. But there's one more thing. You've got to receive. You've got to receive Christ, the Bible says in John 1:12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. I can remember on my grandmother's wall a picture of Jesus knocking on the door and there was no handle on the outside. Why? Because He doesn't force His way in, He is invited in. I can remember that to this day. It's good to have pictures like that with Scripture on it in your home. Kids pick up on that. You've got to receive Christ. How do I do it? Call on His name. Sometimes the best prayer you'll ever pray is just Jesus. Just call on his name. The Bible says in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name. Say that with me. There is no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we must be saved. You call on the name of Buddha. Nobody's listening. You call on the name of Muhammad, he's as dead as a hammer. You call on the name of Jesus, he's alive, and he will save you. Amen. He will save you. He'll forgive every sin you've ever committed. Romans 10, 13. You say, well, I'm too bad for God to save. No, you're not because of this word right here. Look, look at this. For, for what? What's the word? Whoever. whoever. Are you? How many of you are a whoever? Anybody a whoever out there? Everybody. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord might be saved. No, will be saved. That's the word of God. That's not the word of a preacher. That's the word of God. Would you do that? Would you receive Christ?